Assalamu alaikum and welcome to Umtalha Speaks podcast. I'm Umtalha and inshallah today we're continuing through this season of women in Islam, talking about really important and influential characters in Islamic history. And today, inshallah, we have the honor of speaking about Lady Aisha, radiallahu ta'ala anha, who was a wife, one of the wives of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So before we talk about her impact and influence on the Muslim ummah as a whole, we'll give a bit of background into who Lady Aisha was prior to marrying the Prophet ﷺ. So she is the daughter of the highest ranking companion of the Prophet ﷺ. She's the daughter of Abu Bakr. And as we know, her, her father, Abu Bakr anhu was known as al-Siddiq, which means that he readily believed in the Prophet ﷺ. So when the Prophet came saying that he was a Prophet of Allah, Abu Bakr accepted from him. When he came saying that he had made this night journey to Jerusalem, to Masjid Al-Aqsa, Abu Bakr believed him straight away. Abu Bakr was the one who had the honor of joining the Prophet والسلام, on his immigration, on his hijrah from Mecca to Al-Madinah. So when we talk about Lady Aisha, it's important to remember the household that she was raised in. She was raised with a very firm believing father. And of course, this has an impact on the child that this person will become and, and ultimately the adult that they will become. So she was born into Islam. She was born after the Prophet ﷺ received the revelation and after Abu Bakr believed in him. So as is the rule in Islam, children who are born to Muslim parents, they're automatically considered Muslims. They're classed as Muslims by birth and they don't have to embrace Islam in the way that the companions did. So Lady Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha, she was born as a Muslim and her parents were in Mecca. This was before the immigration of the Prophet alayhi salatu wasalam. And the Prophet alayhi salatu wasalam later, after, after she had grown and grown up, the Prophet alayhi salatu wasalam saw in his dream, he saw Lady Aisha and Angel Jibreel was telling him that this is your wife. So the dreams of the prophet are sometimes revelation. If they see that something is happening, this is actually revelation from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Like for example, when prophet Ibrahim alayhi salam saw in his dream that he was slaughtering his son Ismail. This was in his dream, but he understood from it that this was an order from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This was revelation. So the Prophet ﷺ saw that Lady Aisha was his wife. He he was being told by angels that this is your wife. So when he went and informed Abu Bakr, who was his companion, and, and Abu Bakr knew the status of the Prophet ﷺ, Abu Bakr was quite pleased 
to give his daughter away in marriage to the Prophet ﷺ. Who wouldn't be? Who wouldn't accept the proposal of the Messenger of Allah ﷺ, especially when it's known that that came through revelation? This was an ordained matter. This was willed to happen. So this was an honor for Abu Bakr and his wife, and this was an honor for Lady Aisha. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the creator of humans, so he knows what's best for humans. So at the time of the Prophet, amongst the Muslims and amongst the non-Muslims, getting married young was something that was normal in their culture, something normal in their society. And also, an age gap in marriage wasn't something unusual whatsoever amongst the community, amongst those societies, whether these are Muslims or non-Muslims. So that's something to understand and, and to keep a strong understanding of in terms of just a basic historical perspective. If we're talking about what is normal nowadays, what's classed as normal amongst people nowadays is different than what's classed as normal or what was classed as normal 1400 years ago. But the rules of the religion don't change. And that's something that is very important to understand is that when talking about right and wrong, it's always in the context of the rules of the religion. So the Prophet ﷺ did marry Lady Aisha when she was quite young, but he didn't initiate any intimacy in that marriage until she was mature enough to do so, until she was physically mature enough to do so. And this is a rule in the religion, is that even if a marriage takes place early, a husband can't initiate physical intimacy until the wife is ready to do so. And that is exactly what happened with the Prophet ﷺ and his beloved wife Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha. So Lady Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha migrated to Al-Madinah after the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So he went with her father to Al-Madinah first and she followed later on with Lady Fatima and other women from the household of the Prophet ﷺ. Now, Lady Aisha lived with the Prophet ﷺ for nine years. And within those nine years, she was able to amass so much knowledge about the inner workings of the life of the Prophet ﷺ. So she documented and spoke about what the Prophet ﷺ did within the confines of their four walls of their house, but also a lot of the interaction that happens between a husband and a wife. We learn about the permissibility of it, the recommendation of it through Lady Aisha. So when we talk about rules pertaining to women going in the masjid, staying in the masjid, going through the masjid, her house was connected to the masjid. 
So these rules come from Lady Aisha. What do I do, Ya Rasulullah, when I'm menstruating, but I've got to get through the masjid in order to get home? The acts of making ghusl. She used to make ghusl from the same container as the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. The types of clothes she would wear while menstruating, the way that he interacted with her while she was menstruating, all of these things are through the route of Lady Aisha, radiallahu ta'ala anha, that if we think of ourselves as women, how would we know how to deal if it wasn't for Lady Aisha, radiallahu ta'ala anha, living with the Messenger of Allah and really being keen to note down what it is that happened in their daily and very personal life. So Lady Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha supported the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam through the battles after they settled in Al-Madina. So there were many battles that were very serious for the Muslim empire at that time that Lady Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha supported the Prophet alayhi salatu wasalam in. So after one of these battles, Lady Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha got left behind by accident. And one of the Muslim men found her. She was she was from their group. And he brought her back naturally as, as anyone would do. You find one of your own and you bring them back. So some people saw them coming back together. And they started to wrongfully accuse Lady Aisha of committing adultery with this man. Now, there are rules in the religion for how one goes about accusing someone of committing adultery. And it's not enough to just see them walking on the street together. It's not enough to just know that they're talking to each other. No, there are rules in the religion for how somebody goes about accusing someone of, of committing adultery. And they didn't have the correct proof. Now, ayah 11 of Surah An-Nur clears Lady Aisha of this. So this ayah came down clearing Lady Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha of what they were wrongfully accusing her for, but it also came down with the rules for how a person in Islam is dealt with for wrongfully accusing someone of committing adultery, let alone the fact that this was the mother of the believers, the wife of the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam that was being accused. Any Muslim who wrongfully accuses another Muslim of committing adultery, there is a specific punishment that came down in the Quran for these people. So even though she was the beloved wife of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, such a high-ranking woman in Islam, she wasn't clear of the harm of people. She was still subject to the harm of people. But the rules of the religion and the word of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is what cleared her name. And this is the same exact thing that applies to women nowadays who are wrongfully shamed, wrongfully accused. What stands as our proof is always the rules of the religion 
and the word of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So as we mentioned, Lady Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha, she was very beloved to the Prophet alayhi salatu wasalam. She's known as Al-Habibatu bintul Habib. The Prophet alayhi salatu wasalam was asked, who is the most beloved to you? And he said, Aisha. And the companions radiallahu ta'ala anhum said, and from the men? And he said, her father. So the most beloved people to the Prophet ﷺ were his wife and his most noble companion, Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhuma. So this also shows both for men and for women that a love between a husband and a spouse is something that's perfectly acceptable something that is encouraged in the religion. The Prophet ﷺ loved his wife, loved his wives, and he was open about that. He would tell them and he would tell others. The Prophet ﷺ mentioned in a hadith that if you love someone, then tell them. Tell them, I love you. Uhibbuki fillah. And this is something that the Prophet ﷺ used to do. She was a narrator of many a hadith. The Prophet ﷺ did this and said this and acted this way in this situation. So she learned a lot about the Prophet ﷺ and she shared that with the people. She was also a doctor. <laughs> it's mentioned that she even reached the level of being a doctor. She was very knowledgeable about medicine, particularly Islamic medicine which came through revelation and was carried down through the different generations. She's, she reached the level of ijtihad. So when we say, for example, that Imam Abu Hanifa has his school, he's a mujtahid. Imam al-Shafi'i has his school, he's a mujtahid. Lady Aisha, radiallahu ta'ala anha, she had her own madhab, deducing religious rules that weren't explicitly mentioned in the Qur'an or in the Hadith, deducing those rules from the Qur'an and the Hadith, but her madhab hasn't reached us. It wasn't one of the madhabs that was preserved in the way that the four main madhabs have been preserved. But we do hear within the, the books of the scholars that this is the saying according to Aisha. Lady Aisha interpreted it to understand this. And judgments, rules of the religion are deduced from this. Now, if we're saying that Lady Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha learned a lot from the Prophet والسلام, studied a lot, taught a lot, who was she teaching? If all of these hadith have reached us, these rules and judgment have reached us, who was she teaching? She was teaching everyone. Lady Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha would teach the women, but she would also teach the men from amongst the companions. She would stay behind a barrier so they couldn't see her. This was an extra level of of modesty for the wives of the Prophet. But she would still teach them. 
She would still talk about things like menstruation, things like intimacy between a spouse in front of men. Of course, she was doing so because this was needed, but we don't shy away from these topics that we are desperately in need of on a daily basis because the only person to give us that knowledge is someone from the opposite gender. The companions, that was not something that they shied away from because these were things that Lady Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha, she had knowledge of. She knew them. So we take the knowledge from those who are qualified, not only from those who are qualified and our gender. And if there are qualified people, but they're not the same gender as us, then we don't accept from them. Or we don't talk about what we class to be taboo topics in a public forum because we're shy about that. Shyness in the religion is something that is true. But shyness based on what the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam dictated should be a topic that we're shy about. So there is no concept in the rules of the religion, no judgments in the rule of the religion that we should be shy from seeking. Rather, the Prophet Alayhi mentioned in a hadith in dispraising a certain level of shyness that two types of people don't learn the arrogant and the shy. The arrogant, we know their situation. They think they're too good to learn. The shy is because they're too embarrassed to ask when they need the knowledge. So yes, of course, there's a praised shyness in Islam, but there's also a dispraised shyness in Islam where it prohibits and inhibits the person from accessing the rules of the religion. The Prophet ﷺ himself mentioned the high status of Lady Aisha anha. He mentioned in a hadith that the merit of Aisha over the merit of other women is like the merit of a food, a food called tharid over the rest of food. This is a food that has a very high status in the religion. It's like a, a meat broth that has bread mixed in it. And this is something that the Prophet ﷺ praised. And he praised Lady Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha. Now, Lady Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha, even though she was a virgin when she married the Prophet, she was very young. She never had children. And she still was able to reach the status of Ummul Mu'mineen, the mother of the believers, not the mother of this child and that child, the mother of the believers without actually ever having children. So we can see clearly that a person's status in Islam, a woman's status in Islam, isn't connected to her being a mother or not being a mother or being a mother of this many children over that many children. A woman's status in Islam is through her piety. And a person being accepted by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala isn't only through children. There are many avenues that a person can reach the acceptance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Lady Aisha radiallahu ta'ala has received the acceptance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala without being 
a mother. She had a lot of high merits that were very evident at the time of the death of the Prophet ﷺ. And this is something that she used to be quite proud about. The Prophet ﷺ, he had other wives when he was in his final illness that led to his death. But he requested from them to gift their days to Lady Aisha so he could spend his final days with his most beloved wife. And he did. They, they gifted their days and he spent his last days with Lady Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha. She mentions that the Prophet ﷺ died in her house on her day in her arms, sharing her saliva as she moistened the siwak and placed it in his mouth just before he died. So this is something that this is the last memory that Lady Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha has of her beloved husband, of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Such an intimate, private moment that got shared with the rest of the ummah out of the mercy for the ummah of Lady Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha, showing us how to interact with someone that we love in their last moments. The Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam mentioned in a hadith that the prophets are buried where they die. So Lady Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha had the honor of having the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam buried in her home. And her father, Abu Bakr as-Siddiq radiallahu ta'ala anhu, when he died, he was buried next to the Prophet alayhi salatu wasallam in the home of Lady Aisha. Now when Amir al-Mu'mineen, Umar ibn al-Khattab, who was the next Khalifa of the Muslims, when he was on his deathbed, he requested, he sent a request to Lady Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha to be buried next to the Messenger of Allah and next to Abu Bakr al-Siddiq. And she responded, she said, I'd wish that that spot was for me, wanting herself to be buried next to the Prophet والسلام, and next to her father. But she knew the status of Sayyidina Umar anhu. So she permitted for him to be buried there. So when we go to Al-Madinah now and we go to the grave of the Prophet we give salams to the Prophet move a bit to the right give salams to his noble companion Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu and his other noble companion Amirul Mu'mineen Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu. Now Lady Aisha lived for 55 years after the Prophet alayhi salatu passed away teaching many of the Muslims the rules of the religion. She never had children as we mentioned she never remarried because the wives of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam will be married to him in paradise. One of the rules of the religion is that if a husband passes away and the woman doesn't remarry, 
then they will be married in paradise. And who better to be married to in this life, but even more so in paradise, than the Messenger of Allah, sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So she was widowed at a young age. She was 18 when she was widowed, and she remained unmarried for 55 years. But the memories that she had from her marriage with the Prophet ﷺ were more than enough to satisfy her in this life. And knowing that she will be amongst the wives of the Prophet ﷺ in paradise was enough, more than enough to satisfy her in this life. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala raise the rank of Lady Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha and enable us to learn from her story, from her scholarship, from her diligence and enable us to practice the many sunnas within our marriage that we learn from the ahadith narrated through the route of Lady Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha. Walhamdulillah, wassalatu wassalamu ala rasulillah. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.